As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Where am I? I thought the beer store was on this block. Better check my phone. Hey, Maps, give me directions to the beer store. Your destination is 700 feet ahead on the right. Okay, thank you. But don't settle for any beer this Oktoberfest. Make sure to get Polliner, the number one selling beer at Munich's Oktoberfest. Polliner's beers are the perfect way to bring authentic German celebration into your home. Um, great. That's more information than I needed, but I... And this Oktoberfest, make sure to follow the liter. Excuse me? Follow the liter? No, follow the liter, as in the Polliner liter glass, like they drink in Munich. When you follow the liter across the country and identify the cities where the Polliner liter is at, you could win Oktoberfest prizes, including a kegerator. Okay, Maps, how do I follow the leader? Check out Polliner USA on Instagram and look for the follow the leader posts. Correct answers in the comments are how you enter. Okay, simple enough. Oh, another question. Is this conversation covered in my data plan? Polliner USA, White Plains, New York. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 or older, excluding West Virginia. And 102420. Void where prohibited. For rules, see polliner.us forward slash rules. Hashtag beer goals. With Bruce Buffer. And now, it's time for the voice of mixed martial arts. We are it's Bruce Buffer. Bruce Buffer. From the shores of Malibu, where the waves are pumping to the Great Wall of China, and back to the streets of Sao Paulo, Brazil, where the UFC is coming. We are live. This is It's Time Radio, the show we talk about what you think about but may be afraid to voice. Do not worry. We will voice it for you. We talk about everything on It's Time Radio. This is no holes barred radio, folks. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, politics, film, TV, nutrition, medicine, like we're attacking on the show today. We touched on it last week with our special guest, Chris Bell, and right now this week, we have a longevity doctor, a doctor to many many people here in Los Angeles, California, and elsewhere, the head of a detox center, and he has a lot to talk about. And we're also going to talk more about Kratom, which we touched on last week, with our special guest, Dr. Mark Galilli. Before Dr. Mark comes on, let me say hi to my co-host, TJ. How are you? I'm good, Buff. How are you? Really, really good. I came off uh, the week. Um, we had the comedy show last week, which I told you about. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. Looking forward to talking to Mark Galilli on the show. And also, too, this week was the Marine Corps' birthday on November 10th. And I have a number of U.S. Marine friends. I had a poker game here at my house last night honoring some of my U.S. Marine buddies who were here playing and celebrating. And I'll tell you one thing. In the Marine Corps birthday, they go and they always have surf and turf, steak right. and lobster, right? Yep, yep. So I always have good food in when I have my poker parties and uh, poker nights. And I had some really good food brought in, but... Only the Marines got to eat surf and turf. Had it brought in special uh, for them. Kind of ticked off a few of the other guests, hey. but you know what? That's just the way it is. No, 100%. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was thinking about it um, as yesterday, Monday, as we record this on Tuesday, was Veterans Day. And, um, you know, everyone seems to get off for Veterans Day. Well, shouldn't just the veterans maybe get off and then we kind of pamper them? Like, I, I appreciate everything that they do for us, 
but we also seem to get a day off because uh, you know they, they've done so much for us. I, I feel like maybe, maybe uh, you know the working guys like me that didn't serve our country. Maybe we should stay in in you know business. You know, keep things open, and uh, all the veterans get to come in, and we take care of them for uh, everything well, that they do. Well, it's not a set rule, but one thing that is true on yesterday: not everybody worked. Right, people do have a choice to keep their business open. They do have a choice to maybe feed for free or free drinks or whatever if their choice some veteran um thing which some people do choose to do but it's just not a wide national no, no, i know i know that know, i know that, that. i just yeah. you know a lot of people do get off when they're not uh veterans and and you know maybe that's to stay at home and and uh you know be with, with the veterans that we love and appreciate and are close to but uh yeah. i just you know I, I just i'm just saying like for me uh you know i gotta work I gotta, I gotta do everything i can and then hopefully show some appreciation towards the men and women that uh you know defend our great uh, freedoms well, I did. I, I agree fully, and I do appreciate everything that they've done, as I wrote in my Instagram post yesterday, and you know how I feel about the military. And my military friends, especially Saul and Jimmy, were over. They each did about four more tours in Afghanistan over back, you know, over 10, 12 years. Wow. DIs down at Camp Pendleton, the whole bit, wounded, you know, decorated, just amazing guys. You know, Brian Stan type, as all military, just amazing. I, I give it credit to all the military. No matter what you did, if you served, you deserve credit. Um, and I gave them the benefit of my money because they each got a little of my money last uh, night. So I guess I did give a little bit no. to the uh, Marine birthday and the Veterans Day. But and I promise you, it off. wasn't a donation. <laughs> they had to fight for that to get it from you on the. They had yeah. to fight. Yeah, we went at it. We were definitely on the beach going after each other. It was all good. We all had a great time, and I'm glad they did. So congratulations to everybody, all the veterans out there. I can't thank you enough. I bow to you when I see you. One other thing, too, TJ, what do you think, uh, before we go to the show, don't you think it would be cool to have a first responders day, you know, for all you the know, first responders I, out there? I'm really surprised that we don't, actually. Um, you know, I, I haven't thought about that until you brought it up right now, but, uh, you know, there's so many people that, you know, defend and fight for us and it's not always overseas. It's also, you know, domestically and not even in, in war and terror. It's just, you know, when, when you know, the proverbial uh, S hits the fan, uh, it takes uh, uh, many people um, to ensure that we respond appropriately and, and, you know, take care of what needs to get taken care of. And, and you're right. I think uh, a lot of uh, those those men and women kind of, you know, are, are forgotten or at least we don't make such a big deal out of it when uh, we probably could uh, use an opportunity to uh, do so. Yeah, I agree with you completely. All right. Well, with all that being said, um, take a moment to thank our veterans. Please, everybody, if you didn't yesterday, just do it at the sound of my voice requesting such. I, I think everybody should be recognized for what they've done for our great country. Even if it's just serving and serving your time, whether you're over there in the middle of it or not, the bottom line is you served. And that's what Veterans Day is all about. With that note, let's go on to our special guest, Dr. Mark Lilly. We've got some very interesting items to talk about. And uh, let's go for it, TJ. <sighs> Sorry I'm late, everyone. It's all right. The meeting's just getting started. Are you in your closet? Yeah, it's the quietest place. <laughs> ah, not the roomiest, though. Getting closer with your closet these days? That a uh, dinosaur costume behind you? What? No. <laughs> the Container Store's custom closet sale is here to help with up to 25% off closet systems and free virtual in-home closet design. Who wants Sean to put on the dino suit? Really, guys? The Container Store, where space comes from. 
Where am I? I thought the beer store was on this block. Better check my phone. Hey, Maps, give me directions to the beer store. Your destination is 700 feet ahead on the right. Okay, thank you. But don't settle for any beer this Oktoberfest. Make sure to get Polliner, the number one selling beer at Munich's Oktoberfest. Polliner's beers are the perfect way to bring authentic German celebration into your home. Um, great. That's more information than I needed, but I... And this Oktoberfest, make sure to follow the liter. Excuse me? Follow the liter? No, follow the liter, as in the Polliner liter glass, like they drink in Munich. When you follow the liter across the country and identify the cities where the Polliner liter is at, you could win Oktoberfest prizes, including a kegerator. Okay, Maps, how do I follow the leader? Check out Polliner USA on Instagram and look for the follow the leader posts. Correct answers in the comments are how you enter. Okay, simple enough. Oh, another question. Is this conversation covered in my data plan? Polliner USA, White Plains, New York. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 21 or older, excluding West Virginia. And 102420. Void where prohibited. For rules, see polliner.us forward slash rules. Hashtag beer goals. It's time! You asked for it and you got it at BruceBuffer.com. Championship introductions at a special rate are now provided for all of you as a keepsake for life, like you are being introduced like a champion in the cage. Just go to BruceBuffer.com. Specials for championship introductions, weddings, birthdays, voicemail, and business recordings. I'm here for you if you need me. Check me out at BruceBuffer.com. And now... As the health news and nutritional news continues on It's Time Radio, an advancement from last week when we had Chris Bell on. I wanted to bring on a friend of mine, a man who runs the Regenerative Medicine Center here in Los Angeles, very well known for his work, fascinating work that we'll go into as we talk to him. Let's bring on my friend, Dr. Mark Galilli. Hey, Mark, how are you? Hey, thank you, Bruce. Thank you so much for having me. Cool, very well. I wanted to have you on because last... Last week, we had Chris Bell on, who's a very noted documentarian, film uh, documentarian. He does a lot of work with the nutrition um, in the steroid industry, uh, the documentary Big, Bigger, Stronger, Faster. Uh, what was the one he had for the Kratom, uh, TJ? What was the name of the last one that he did? It was called A Leaf of Faith. Right. Leap of Faith. No, not now, Leap. Leaf. 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 <laughs> okay. Now, to give you a little background here... Um, Dr. Galilli running the Regenerative Medicine Center in L.A., okay, uh, very, very cool man, very much into his patients, takes care of them. But, doctor, let's get a little background here because the different services that you do, uh, you treat without the treatment. If I'm saying this correctly, you're more on the natural side or totally on the natural side to avoid any kind of like drugs to be used if needs need, need be. You're dealing with arthritis. You're dealing with people that suffer from MS. Um, lots of toxicity, tre- toxicity treatments. But last week we were discussing on the show with Chris Bell the subject of Kratom, a very popular uh, product used by a lot of people. He was going over all the benefits. TJ, my co-host, is very much and very much into it and knowledgeable about it. Whether you're taking it or not, it's another story, TJ. Oh, I'm not that but, knowledgeable about it. I just watched the film. And yeah, it piqued my interest. Right, right, exactly. Now, all the benefits that we heard last week, when I talked to you, uh, Dr. Lilly, you were telling me the you deal with a lot of patients that suffer from, am I correct in saying overdoses of Kratom? Is that correct? Yes. Uh, so Kratom, not necessarily overdoses. Uh, however, I, I'll get into the whole thing with Kratom, um, is that you can obviously go through withdrawals from it, like many other things. You know, even though it's natural and it's great when, uh, when used for its intended purposes, uh, there can be many patients who tend to, that may tend to overuse it and may not be using it for the correct reasons as they should 
Right. So give us an example of what that would be and where the toxicity process would come in. Because a lot of us, when we were talking last week, they were looking at it from a health standpoint and what it does yeah. for them as far as pain relief and everything else. So yeah. is it basically the old story of too much is not good for you? Or is it just yet be specific and know exactly how much to take depending on the actual physical size of your body and who you are? Yeah, perfect. Great question. So let me answer this in a more of like a kind of scientific way. Kratom is, you know, it's great. It's an all-natural approach. Um, obviously, it's not bound by the pharmaceutical industry to go and make money off of you for the rest of your life, which many other things are out there, as you guys are very well aware. Uh, but, uh, you know, a lot of patients tend to, who are, you know, addicted or abuse opioids, heroin, um, you know, opioids, oxycodons, and, and so forth, they may, you know, go do online searches and go on the black market, somewhere online, it's very easy to get Kratom shipped to your house. And they try to do this um, so they don't go through the withdrawals of, uh, of opioid or heroin addiction. So if you look at Kratom, it has about a half-life of 24 hours, meaning in about 24 hours, half of it's out of your system. Okay? It's composed of a compound called mitragynia. It's an opioid, opioid-like analgesic. Uh, actually, many countries have banned Kratom. Uh, but it just hasn't been banned in the United States as of yet. Now, when they ban it, when they ban small doses, yeah, go ahead. No, no, finish what you're saying because when they say ban, I mean, is that as you're explaining this, is there a point where creative can actually kill you or hurt you? As you're explaining this, please. Yeah, I will explain this. Obviously, anything, you know, majority of things in very high doses can cause respiratory depression. I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get to that. I want to first start in very small doses, uh, the Kratom in about one to five grams. It can actually act as a stimulant, so it can give you a little more energy. Um, you might feel more awake, alert, social, and talkative. Um, the sedative effects occur when you use higher doses of Kratom, such as five to 15 grams, um, and it can have that sedative effect. It's similar to the effect of opioids, which, you know, when you take an opioid or you know, patients who use, people who use heroin, can start feeling respiratory depression, tired, fatigue. It mellows them out. Um, it constricts their pupils. It makes them not go to the bathroom. Um, and that's what that can do. Eventually, over time, when patients start taking too much Kratom, they become intolerant to that dose and have to keep increasing their dose to receive the same effect. Eventually, you can reach a point where you take too much Kratom and those opioid-like analgesic effects can you know, lead to respiratory depression, possible loss of consciousness. This can also occur when combining with other things like alcohol. Um, you know, many people have polysubstance abuse where they use different uh, chemicals at the same time. The most important thing with Kratom, though, that I did want to you know, mention is the withdrawal. And people who use Kratom for a long period of time on a daily basis, it's very similar to the effects of heroin or opioids when you use them for long term the body starts going to withdraw. And that withdrawal can, you can experience symptoms from, you know, runny nose, watery eyes, anxiety, jitteriness, nausea, loss of appetite, even diarrhea. And these symptoms can come on once that half-life is done. And about one to two days after not taking it, you go through severe withdrawal. I've personally, since I run a detox center as well, I've personally seen, it's on the rise, uh, Kratom users, who are coming in for detox, and I've noticed that detox takes longer than it would if someone using, let's say, heroin for a year with a shorter half-life, the detox of Kratom takes a lot longer for that patient to stop 
to stop experiencing those effects. I compare it very similar to methadone due to methadone's long half-life, but I've seen patients even two months out of using Kratom still having some type of withdrawal effect, which is what I want to kind of bring to attention to make sure if it is something used, you know, make sure it's being used the proper way and it's not being abused like any other thing. You want to make sure you use it properly. So if somebody asks you, how do I use it properly after you gave the dissertation you just gave and what we all heard on our show last week, how do you judge what is the proper amount of Kratom for yourself depending on what you're taking it for? And that's a great question that, you know, we need the expertise of a medical doctor based on a patient's symptoms and the severity and duration of their symptoms. Um, if a patient is going to take that route, obviously I, you know, wouldn't recommend someone just going on online purchasing and, uh, you know, Kratom an opioid-like product like that. You want to make sure you do it the proper way through the proper channels um, and have, you know, professional go over it with you. Because as we know, it is not FDA approved. So I can't give out advice like that on how to use it. Um, but if patients, if people do end up using it, you know, make sure using obviously the lowest dose um, to you know, get that analgesic effect that you need if that's the route you guys want to take. Um, I don't recommend doing it uh, yeah. per se, but again, I can see how people might see, well, it's all natural, it's different than opioids, it's not a prescription medication, we don't have to go into a pharmacy to get it. Um, obviously, you want to be careful of overdose, you want to be careful of respiratory depression, not being able to breathe or feeling zonked out. Um, and that's how you kind of want to, that's kind of the route I would uh, have people take. Real quick, I'm, I'm sitting in the outside, you know, looking in here and, and listening to what you're saying, doctor. And, and I'm curious because you said like, basically you can't give any sort of, uh, you know, advice because it's not approved by the FDA. Like, is that across the board? I mean, if I go into my doctor and say, look, I want to take something like Kratom, are they in, you know, are they, are they bound essentially to be like, look, I can't recommend that you do that simply because it's not a drug that's approved by the FDA. I mean, exactly. It's kind of like saying if someone asks me, hey, how much marijuana should I smoke? Yeah, as a, you know, as a medical doctor, I can't really. But how does that work then? Marijuana a day. How, how does that work though when there's medicinal uh, marijuana? Yeah, I mean, that's a different thing when it's, you know, written through a prescription, gone through the proper routes and channels. But, you know, we're, we're talking about something that you can go purchase online. So it's the same as, let's say, a supplement you go buy on Amazon, for example. Um, you know, it's a manufacturer type of recommendation of uh, what they recommend you take uh, based on your symptoms. But it, it kind of goes on a case-by-case basis, um, depending on the patient's severity. I'm more in tune with, let's fix your problem of why you're having pain. So we can avoid having to take these any type of medication. So, so I guess maybe my question is is this, um, and obviously you outlined some of the issues with with kratom, and and maybe your stance has to be bound to it's not approved by the FDA, so therefore it, it's not okay. And and obviously you're you know based in sort of natural healing, and and you know you want to solve the pain problem rather than management uh, manage it per se. But at the same time, like, do you think that you know, deciding to take something like Kratom, is that a lesser of the two evils than, say, like an opioid, you know, painkiller? Oh, definitely. I would agree. As long as it's, you know, used properly, I've seen it benefit a lot of people as well. And we know the FDA creates hundreds of products that are far damaging and should never be approved. I can go over a list 
when we have another uh, time opportunity, I'd love to go over a list of medications that are significantly causing more harm than benefit. That'd be amazing. Opinion. Yeah. Um, um, however, I, I do see it as a, a, a another option out there for people dealing with pain. It is something natural, and it is something you can just go and buy. Um, I believe some uh, medicinal shops should have them in their stores, and you can. I know there's online; you can go purchase it as well. I like well, it. I, I like it, Bruce. He's just trying to you know do a, a service here. We have Chris Bell on last week who talks uh, you know broadly about the benefits and not so much the. Ill, of, Ill effects of, of things. I think I, he's hitting something too. I think there's a million medicines out there, whether it be a natural supplement or whether it be, you know, pharmaceutical, like you have to, you know, understand that while uh, something may, you know, be beneficial for you, there's also things that, you know, may be hurting you as well. Well, you know, it's the old story of like, exactly. if you're going to take something, if you're going to take something, you're going to put something in your body, which is your temple. You should definitely understand what you're putting in. It's kind of like putting oil in your car. You put the wrong oil in your car, it's not going to work. So you want to put in the best oil you can. So what I'm hearing here is the fact that, again, and I know you, doctor, is the fact that you want to stay away from prescription drugs for your for your patients and your clients as much as possible and set them on the basis of, of healing themselves in a natural, more, call it holistic or call it proper way without the use of drugs. And what you're saying here is buyer beware. This really comes down to buyer beware. When you don't have a doctor prescribing, which we know is an issue anyway, because a lot of doctors prescribe medicines that need not be prescribed. We read about it all the time. And opiates is a big, huge problem. But at the same time, if you're going to go out and even buy, buy the Mind Bullet, which I think is the brand that uh, Chris Bell sells of Kratom, you have to do your homework. You've got to make sure that you're not overindulging yourself. Too much is not better. It never really is and rarely is it. But you got to do the right thing, and you got to make the right decision. So really, it's kind of like walking a thin line here. As a doctor, yes, it's good for you. if you have pain. It's better than taking opiates. But it could be bad for you if you do it this way. You really have to watch yourself and make your own decision and be in charge of your own destiny when you take this product. Would that be correct? It's all about buyer beware to a large extent. Yeah. Absolutely, and I think, Bruce, you hit it right on the coffin. I wanted to make one other point in terms of, you know, opium, for example. Wait, wait, I hit it right on the coffin? I don't know if I like that one. <laughs> I, you said hit it right on the yeah, coffin. Exactly. I don't know if that's the best analogy, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, for example, opium comes from a plant. It's derived natural, and they made a pharmaceutical agent out of it, which are the opioids, oxycodone, and all that. Um, so I can see at some point in the future, you know, if they decide to do something with Kratom, I can see that happening as well, where they can regulate it and be able to make it a billion-dollar industry. Right, which is all the name of the, is the name of the game when it comes to pharmaceutical companies. All right, we've got our touch on Kratom here. I want to go into a little more before we let the good doctor go onto his busy day here, taking care of people as he does so well. Um, there's a situation here. You talk about the list of medicines that you could go through which cause more damage than good. One of the medicines, I'm guessing maybe on that list, the medicine that I have taken and many people have taken, anybody that's taken antibiotic, many of us have taken the antibiotic, which is widely prescribed, called Cipro, C-I-P-R-O. Um, you, yourself, was put on Cipro years ago back in 2016, not too far ago. You were grasping for pain, as I was reading in your bio. And basically, tell us about this. You actually became paralyzed as a result of this. A, are you positive? It was due to the Cipro, and B, how did you come out of that paralyzation process that you were going through personally to become the healthy, basketball-playing, moving, shaking doctor that you are today? <laughs> well, thank you for, uh, for asking this. 
I'd love to share my story. Uh, I was prescribed the antibiotic for you know, common gut infection. I thought nothing of it because we prescribe it all the time, over 25 million prescriptions a year. You think, well, nothing can happen. Women take this for seven days for urinary tract infection all the time. And, you know, I took two, bil- two pills combined with ibuprofen, and my legs completely just went to jello, flaccid. I was in severe excruciating pain. Um, I could barely lift myself up. I couldn't walk. I was wheelchair-bound immediately right after that. And I went online to forums, and you, when you see hundreds of thousands of people in, in groups who are basically not working or sitting there telling everyone about their story, no one, is gonna, no one wants to sit there online in the middle of the day and just vent and share why, they, why they're disabled. You know, people want to go live their lives, work, take care of their kids. And when you have hundreds of thousands of people with this, you've got to start realizing it's true, it's real. It's just underreported, and other doctors aren't really recognizing it or seeing what these symptoms are caused by. And the symptoms are just unbearable. They're, you know, neuropathy, your body's basically burning on fire. You can't walk. Uh, limping. It took me a couple months to get out of the chair, but what I had to do was, this was a life or death situation for me. I had to take my life in my own hands because the traditional doctors, UCLA, wherever I go, they didn't have an answer for me. They wanted to give me steroids. And I learned afterwards, steroids would make you much worse, severely deteriorate your condition. And I had to take my life in my hands where I would use, I started researching how this works, how your mitochondria becomes damaged, which is, you know, the healthy powerhouse of the cell. And if you look at all the women that have, let's say, chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, if you look at the diagnosis ratio, five women to every one men have uh, chronic fatigue syndrome or fibromyalgia, the ones who are diagnosed. If you look at the prescription rates of Cipro, for every five women that are prescribed Cipro, it's usually one man. It's not a coincidence. Uh, this, this, this class of antibiotics has caused widespread fatigue, brain fog, memory loss. A lot of these symptoms come from taking this antibiotic. And I've seen hundreds of patients in my office with this. I, I truly I try to specialize in this to provide patients with that care. But what it really took was the right type of supplement, the right diet, taking certain things out of the body, detoxifying and giving your cells the exact nutrients, supplements, and supplements they need in order to thrive. After I did all this and started getting better, I had stem cells taken from my own fat, which is called adipose stem cell harvesting, had them spun down, and my stem cells were reintroduced back into my body. In combination with doing customized IV treatments, with that in combination, I was able to successfully make a full recovery. And when I look back at it now, it was probably the best thing to happen to me because I've been able to change my lifestyle. I live a much healthier lifestyle now, and I'm able to implement that for all my patients who come in to teach them the right way to make sure their cells stay healthy, vibrant, young, and strong. So let's say that you, God forbid, come down with a serious uh, illness, and the standard uh, cure therapy for this illness is to prescribe you another antibiotic. Will you ever take another antibiotic or will you avoid that and try to cure yourself in the way you are for fear of what that antibiotic, no matter what brand it is, could do to you? Are you done with antibiotics? Well, unfortunately, yes. Well, unfortunately, I won't be able to just because the mitochondria, when it gets damaged in that way, any subsequent exposure in the future may lead to worsening damage. Uh, I haven't taken one since, so I wouldn't know, but there's always that risk that I run. I wouldn't take the chance. I would want to make sure that the infection is bacterial, that there's been a um, culture done 
And I can tell you one thing, Bruce, 99%. Actually, I want to say 100% of my patients that have come in with antibiotic toxicity do not have one documented uh, culture to say, hey, we cultured this bacteria, it was sensitive to this antibiotic, and that's why we prescribed it to you. Every single person who comes in, usually the males, it's for prostatitis presumed, and the doctor just says, oh, you're having some uh, pain or burning when you pee, just take this antibiotic. They don't test, they don't get the culture. It's never definitive of you have to take this for this reason. And that's the problem I have, that why the doctors are prescribing this in the first place. Or you'll go in with a cough, they'll think you have a pneumonia, and they'll just prescribe you Levaquin without thinking, should I get a, a sputum culture? Should I make sure this is the only antibiotic I can give? Instead of using something, it's like taking a handgun with a regular antibiotic, but then you're giving an AK-47 with these antibiotics when you don't have to. This, you can this, get the right. job done with the handgun. You don't need the AK-47. This is all hitting like real close to home to me because, uh, as you know, Bruce, my wife was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. Which I was just about to ask you if that was the case. I wanted to make sure we covered that with her. Right, Go yeah, ahead. and I'm just curious, Doc. Like, m- my wife has is you know suffered with this for uh, you know well over a year before it was even diagnosed, and you know sitting back and basically uh, is sort of you know forced to believe that you know some days are going to be good, some days are going to be bad, and this is going to be the rest of her life and uh, I don't know. Is, is there something that I should have her do to ensure that maybe this isn't something that led her down this path? Yes, you want to make sure to get a full history of any antibiotics, any NSAIDs, such as Motrin, Aleve, Advil, Ibuprofen. These can all worsen those symptoms because they can lead to worsening muscle damage. Um, obviously, ask if any steroid exposure has been uh, given, whether steroid injections in the knees, steroid creams, uh, prednisone, taper packs. And there's, there's a whole slew of other things or even medications that can cause mitochondrial damage. And usually what doctors do is, you know, in America, unfortunately, you, you go to a doctor, use your insurance, you spend five minutes with the doctor because you spend 20 minutes on your paperwork. And if you can't figure it out, it's, or he or she can't figure it out, it's, oh, yeah, fibromyalgia. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know right. why you're tired. Or you're a woman. Or um, maybe you're depressed or maybe you're going through menopause. I've heard it all. My patients have come from all over the world and tell me all the stories of what they've been told. And no one listens to them because the doctors don't have time. Right. And that's the biggest, that's what I think is one of the biggest problems in medicine is no one should just be diagnosed with fibromyalgia just like that. Okay, you have fibromyalgia, go home. Why? What what else have we ruled out? Let's go over my medication history. Let's see what may have caused it. You're not born right. with fibromyalgia. It's caused by something. Well, you don't just wake up one day feeling, why am I so tired and weak? Right. For her, it was uh, a year of tests. Like, they did everything. And, and basically, we're down to, like, one test. Like, okay, either it's an autoimmune deficiency or we can't explain it. So, therefore, it must be fibromyalgia. So, you, you keep saying uh, mitochondrial damage. Like, how would I get her, you know, checked out for something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a series of lab tests we can order uh, and take a look at. Um, there's other tests. There's specific tests that can be done with, with each patient is unique. Um, but most importantly, it comes down to the history. I usually diagnose based on the history, and I look at the list of medications and things that they've taken. And we, did, we just have to sit down and look at, you know, records and see what was given at what point. All right, awesome. Well, this is good information. Uh, I'm definitely going to follow up on that. 
I'm excited now. You've given me hope, Doc. Like, fibromyalgia, it, <laughs> it's, it's something that is very difficult for the person that's affected, but also the people that are around them. Because, like, I mean, she's my wife. You know what I mean? Like, there are days where she wakes up and feels good, and then by noon, like, has no energy. And, you know, that's that's just a, a very hard thing to deal with when, you know, we have an eight, eight-year-old boy. So, yeah. yeah. You know, speaking of energy, um, what, be... what I... Go ahead, doctor. Go ahead. Yes, no problem. And, you know, it could just be some nutrient or vitamin deficiencies. It could be as simple as that. Um, mm. Just getting some certain things in the body can help the mitochondria replenish and give you more energy and more ATP production. Uh, just, everyone's unique and needs to be assessed to figure out why this is the issue and what we can do to fix it. And in my experience, I used to work at Cedars-Sinai Hospital as well. And I can tell you, traditional medicine has no answer at all for a condition like this. They would have no idea what to do other than tell you, take ibuprofen, which will make you worse, or, or take a pain medication. Here's an opioid, right? And then we go back to the Kratom situation. Right, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean, like, I, I, you, you hit the nail on the head at the very top of the show, and I think this is something that uh, Chris had said um, you know, not only do we have a, an opioid epidemic and a problem here, but the United States of America and the people that are living inside of it have a pain problem. And we don't know how to solve the pain. We only just quickly seem to jump to managing the pain. And, and pain is not a way uh, to lead your life. Like, I mean, that is that is an ailment that needs to be fixed. And more often than not, you know, managing something is not fixing it. It's just putting a Band-Aid. Well, also, too, people exactly. hot, they hide from the pain, and they, they basically uh, get away from the pain. And how? Through drugs and other drugs that make them feel good. And they're basically, right. they're just not even putting a Band-Aid on the problem. Right. They're escaping the problem and not dealing with the problem. Self-medicating. Self-medicating. And when I first met uh, Dr. Lilly, um, we were at a party at Dan Bilzerian's house of all places and started talking about all this different <laughs> stuff. And I went to see him because I've been traveling a lot. My uh, energy level seemed a little, little bit low. And I remember you put me in your LED light therapy machine that you have there. Um, he has all these different things yeah. to treat stuff with. And I had immediate results from that. He also put me on a supplement recently that has really helped me um, you know, manage some of the uh, ill feelings of the jet lag effects that I was going through in this six international city tour that I was doing over the course of seven weeks, you know, which definitely, as you know, TJ can get to you at points, no matter how you sleep, no matter how well you take care of yourself. So I love, and I always have loved the natural route of caring for myself. And this is something that I in tune with Dr. Lillian. Let me go through a few other things that he helps with. I mean, it's amazing what he can do with what we've discussed so far with the issues out there with ciprotoxicity treatments, uh, Lebequin, the thing you mentioned, also toxicity treatments, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, autoimmune disease, even people that have breast plant implant illness you work with too. Is that like, for instance, the ill effects, which is very popular all over the place of breast implants, like leakage or, or uh, infection that's caused from them? Because honestly, doctor, it seems that most of the women I've met that have had you know, gone and had breast implantation, I would say a large majority just don't have one operation. They have to have follow-ups for all these different things. Is that what creates these issues that you deal with? Yes, multiple. But what we do see are um, like a condensation type of leak from the silicone because you put it in the environment. It's a, it's a heated environment. There's fluid, there's chemicals, there's tissue in that breast. And you can get condensation of that silicone leading to toxicity. 
And it depends on a person's genetic makeup if they're able to detoxify from those compounds found in some of the implants. It's not all of them, but it does occur with some patients. And there's groups. You know, you go on Facebook, there's groups. There's over 100,000 people in these breast implant illness groups. They're not making it up. They're not crazy women. They take their breast implants out, and within two weeks, they feel a lot better. Um, but again, it's not every single woman on earth that has this. It's a selective amount of people that this happens to, fortunately. But it is real, what? and it is coming to uh, mainstream. It, uh, the unfortunate part is it happens to women. And in America, when things happen to women for their health, Nobody seems to care because they go, oh, it's a woman. They're just, uh, they'll make an excuse. And slowly that's starting to shift and change for the better. Really? They, they, they get thrown to the left or thrown to the right or to the back of the room? That's interesting. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you have fatigue. Oh, you have fatigue. <laughs> uh, you're going through your emotional. Here, let's put you on antidepressants. This is, this, is, this is what I see every day in my office. So let's let's take it a step further. I mean, obviously, we just talked about you know breast implantation, but all the other plastic surgeries that are going on the the whether it's the nose, the chin, the fillers, the Brazilian butt lifts, taking fat out of the you know waist and injecting it into the the derriere, you know, the gluteus maximus, all these different things. When you violate, or is that's not the proper term? Maybe it is a proper term, but when you violate the human body and you do a procedure that was not natural, born and raised with something that is again a uh, cosmetic procedure. Is that another reason for all these different cosmetic procedures going on out there that brings you a lot of patients too? Not just the breast implant illness, but other forms of cosmetic well, surgery that people are doing themselves? I mean, not necessarily for my practice. I, I don't practice, practice plastic surgery, but obviously people can make whatever decision they want. We live in LA, glitz and glamour. Everyone wants to look pretty. So I respect everyone's decision to want to do whatever work they need. Um, I don't really see too many complications from, you know, cosmetic fillers and all that. It does happen. That's good. That's good. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I think Trump said in his campaign, what he said, make butts real again. I, I can't remember. What, what was it? Wait, wait, wait a minute. TJ, you got a, you got the answer for this one? I, I don't know. He just somehow uh, one up his, uh, you hit it right on the coffin. So I, I don't you know. <laughs> the, the, doc, the doc's got some great wisdom and some peculiar uh, analogies, but uh, I'm, I like it. I like it. Well, let me just say one thing, Doc. I don't plan on coming to see you because I am not into yeah. any kind of falsities in my body. I mean, the, the old adage that men can age gracefully, women are... Please do whatever you think is righteous. Make the right choice. Me, I'm very happy just aging gracefully, and I'll leave it at that. Good nutrition, good diet, work out, and hope for the best. I just, I just find that works best for me personally. Amazing. I love that attitude and mindset. Sounds good. All right, listen, Doc, we're going to let you get back to what you're getting to, but why don't you tell what you have to do today, taking care of all your patients and your new offices, by the way, which I have to come up and visit next time I'm up in your area, and which is up in the – uh, Sunset Boulevard area of Hollywood. Should we say West Hollywood? Is that where you're at, Doctor? Yes. All right. Tell tell yeah, our patients. Tell, tell our patients. Listen to me, TJ. Tell our patients hey, how they can hey. get a hold of you. I mean, I, I've read some of those sexual uh, questions on the the old sex and relationship uh, show. Sometimes they are our patients, Buff. Yeah, it, it does go in different levels. Dr. Lilly, please share with our audience uh, your uh, Instagram, your social media, how people get a hold of you. You're a fascinating individual. I have gone through your videos. If you go to his his site at regenerativemedicinela.com, you'll see videos of the work he's done. You're doing a, you're doing a great service to a lot of people, doctor, and I commend you. 
Definitely. Please keep up the Thank great work, so but much. share with our audience how they can get a hold of you. Share, share the, how can we get a hold of you? How can we see what you're doing? Sure. Uh, yeah, our office is located at 9201 West Sunset Boulevard, Suite 414. That's in West Hollywood. Um, our office phone number is 310-295-9403. Uh, Lori is our office manager there, and she'll be more than happy to answer any uh, phone calls anyone has. And uh, my Instagram is just Dr. Mark Galili, D-R-M-A-R-K, Galili, G-H-A-L-I-L-I. That's very cool. Thank you so much. And people listening out there, if you have a little low energy, if anything, go visit the good doctor and try out his LED LED light therapy machine. It's like one-stop shop, feel great, pop. You're going. You leave there feeling fantastic. It's, It's pretty awesome. I like the natural approach, doctor. Please keep it up. And um, you've got a great attitude, so I wish you all the best success. We'll have you on the show again. We're going to maybe maybe we'll create a little debate between Chris Bell and Dr. Galili, if there is such a thing as a debate well, between the two of TJ. I actually don't think that they really differ in their opinions. It's just I don't the, think so. No, the, think the, so. the doc is just uh, you know telling us a little bit more about the maybe a downside of Kratom, which, you know, again, got to get the whole story. Exactly. Too much yeah, of everything can be guys. bad for you, right? Doc, too much of anything could be bad for you to a certain extent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Before okay. before it gets too much of us, we'll let him go. Thanks, Doc. Appreciate it. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thanks, Dr. Lily. Take care. Have a great day. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Total Wine and More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Wow. I mean, you know, people say, oh, you do Bruce Buffer show. If they haven't heard it, they go, well, what's that about? I assume you just you talk MMA all the time. It's like, no, nah, man, like you don't no. understand. It's no. a lifestyle show. And I've learned more from this podcast, Bruce, than any other that I've done for, you know, a prolonged period of time. And, you know, this is one of those situations today. I had no idea that uh, we'd talk about this. And uh, I'm going to have a conversation with my wife when we get home. Yeah. You know, and if any thing uh you're up in hollywood just a little visit knowing the good doctor he'll say come in and see me and just talk to me for a bit and we'll see what's up yeah i mean i know him you know you it's very important to just understand um you know some of the you know reasons for why we feel the way that we do and when you are in a situation like my wife is the doc is right like you will find doctors that will read your paperwork not be able to figure out the problem and not that they you know, want to write you off or, uh, you know, aren't capable of figuring out really what the problem is. They just don't have time when they run a, a busy practice. And I'm not saying that they're, you know, not doing their due diligence because, I mean, in a roundabout way, they're not. But, like, that's the society that we live in at times. And these general MDs who don't even really know where to begin don't know how to help you. And, and they just go, look, this is a, a common problem. I read this in medical journals and digests, you know, every year. And there doesn't seem to be any sort of solution that I can, you know, point you to. So here, here's the problem. And you know, today I've learned all about mitochondria. Maybe that's the problem. Well, it is a serious problem because bottom line, it's just like the nucleus, everything comes 
a nucleus. Well, <laughs> the nucleus of your cells is mitochondria. So a very, very, you know, important part of the human body to base well, everything out of and from. Yeah, I mean, the mitochondria and, isn't the nucleus of your cell necessarily. It, I remember back in uh, uh, learning about cells in, in elementary school and middle school, like uh, the mitochondria is responsible for uh, they call it the powerhouse of a cell, which the power, power. Okay, excuse right, me. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like it's like the motor system. It's right. like you know. It's yeah, exactly. And, and think exactly. about that. Like that, I mean, that's what was ringing true to me listening to the doctor. Like, think about the motor in your car. Like, if your motor is broken, the whole car's going to be messed up. That right? was my point. It's you, you just don't put oil in a car. You put the right oil in the right, car. Right. Exactly. You know, take care of it. And and I think you know you've talked about that over the years. You know, uh, you know, put put good things in your body, and the output that you have from your body will be. Uh, good as well. And it is true. Like I know we're living, breathing things and we're human beings with personalities, but at the end of the day, we are in a roundabout way equipment and we have to take care of our bodies. Like we are equipment because if you don't, you know, wash your car regularly or, you know, put the right things in, in a vehicle, you're right. It's going to break down. And the same can be said for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing is too, when you go to a doctor, let's face it, uh, in America, we've said this before, but in Western medicine, Eastern medicine, uh, they go in Asia, shall we say, in China, they go to a doctor to stay healthy. They pay that doctor to keep them healthy. They don't pay that doctor when they're sick. Here we go to a doctor when we're sick. We're not about preventative maintenance, which right. is what his theory of thought is, is preventative maintenance. At the same time, when you do go to a doctor in this country, as pretty much anywhere, but let's just talk about the United States, they have what's called a bottom line. They have bills. They have overhead. It's huge. And they have to work that business and make money. Right. More patients they see, more money they make. Yep. I remember going to my, my good doctor for many years in Malibu. I love this guy. Great guy. And still is. One of my favorite people. But I remember sitting down with him when I bring my mother in when she wasn't well. And it's like, oh, okay. He pulls out the Palm Pilot. And then what new medicine came out this month? Oh, here. This will be good for her. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Right. That's not the way to go. Right. 100%. But, and, you know, I, th I think you hit up, you know, Eastern medicine there for a, a brief moment in the way that, you know, people in, in other parts of the world take care of themselves. I, I, I find it funny all the time when people will see someone from, you know, out of town overseas come here and they're wearing a mask out in public and they're like, oh, that, that person must be sick. I don't want to be near them. They, they must be sick. They're wearing a mask. And it's like, and they're wearing a mask because they don't want you to get them sick. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's it's like you're right. Like the the outlook on health elsewhere is I want to make sure I'm as healthy as I can be so I don't get sick. And here, a lot of people don't do anything until they're sick and then they still wait like 3 or 4 more weeks and then go to the doctor when sometimes it's too late. Right. And the and the judgment is still out on those masks. They really do everything they're supposed to do, but so be it. I mean, if it well, helps a little bit, it helps. What helps I'm a saying, bit. what I'm saying is, if you are around people that are constantly sneezing and, and doing, you know, things that are that are putting uh, germs and stuff in the air, I mean, the mask isn't going to make you more likely to get sick. And, and it also goes the other way too. If you are likely to sneeze, and you know, you don't want to be contributing to the problem, it's it's a good thing. Like. I don't think that everybody needs to do it. I don't think that you're better for doing it or not. But the 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 point that I you know trying to make bringing it up is uh, it, it's done elsewhere to prevent themselves from getting sick. Where when we go out in public and someone you know that we're close to is sick, we'll usually just be like, ah, uh, I'm not going to shake your hand because I don't want to get sick. Like we we. 
we get, we're very strange about it. It's just, I mean, it's not that right. we're, it's not that we're like not thinking about it correctly, but it, it's just, it's different from, you know, other parts of the world. And like, well, like everything all, buff, I think we can, you know, look at all, all ways that people do things and maybe learn from it. Absolutely. We can all get better. And so it's about being polite to the people around you. Let me point out a couple of things. You might not enjoy hearing this folks, but let's do reality here. Have you ever sneezed? out in an open room and you never saw anything, right? So, oh, that was a sneeze. Nothing happened. Oh man. Now, now, wait, wait. Now you're in front of your vanity mirror in your bathroom, right? And you let out a little sneeze, the same sneeze you let out in right. the room where you didn't see anything. Yeah. And your, your mirror is covered, right? Covered. Right. And stuff It's like, where the hell oh. did that all come from? Buffalo. That is what's happening every time you sneeze, right? Think about it. What? Now, one of, one, favorite, one of my favorite. No, Wait, one more. No. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if you're getting away from the sneeze. I don't want to. No. No. Okay. No, no. Go. Go with the sneeze. I'm going to continue on the yeah, same yeah. route. So well, go with the sneeze. No. What, what I was going to say is one of my favorite things ever with all these um, high speed cameras is watching uh, a human being sneeze in super slow motion, frame by frame. Um, it, it is, is crazy. It's terrifying. Crazy. Like yeah, you. Yeah. You'll get more. Uh, you know, fluid and water and whatever is in your you know nose, your mu- mucus in the air than if you were going down a water slide at the water park. It's well, bonkers. It's bonkers. And when we live in a society where the HPV virus is very prominent, right? And there's all these <clears throat> things coming out that you can get it from kissing and it can cause throat cancer. And you can get it from other areas depending on the type of HPV of which are six or seven streams, uh, which there's uh, vaccinations for, for young people, even through to adults. Um, but the bottom line is, it's like things are so easily transmittable. One of the, the Listen, people understand one thing. When you get sick... Okay, I, I was kind of going crazy with a little off kilter with the HPV, but, you know, transmittable breathing, a sneeze in, it goes into your system. It's right. It's mucus to mucus contact. The best the way people get sick. Okay, it's not walking out and getting a chill. I mean, sure, that can maybe affect you. It's when you touch a surface like like when you're in. The, the trams in the airport, some of the dirtiest things. We're, I have a story here about the dirtiest things in your house we're going to go into, too. When you touch that, all the germs that are on that, if you take your finger and touch your mouth or your eye, that is how you get sick, transmitting that germ. Yeah. That's why they say the best way to stay clean is to wash your hands multiple times a day, not just for 10 seconds. Wash those hands. Sure, there's Purell and all, but nothing beats washing hands with a decent soap multiple times a day. Yeah. I One mean, of the key thing. Isn't, isn't it funny? Like all this technology and new solutions it, and nothing will just beat the old fashioned way of, uh, you know, soap and so, some hot water. But, you know, I don't want to get off kilter. Like, like you were saying with the HPV, but like, I think there's something to be said uh, about the HPV virus and other viruses um, that we're becoming more and more aware of is mm-hmm. a lot of people have a lot of things that they never know that they have because viruses, while they can be spread very easily, they don't ever need to manifest themselves for you to be a carrier. And maybe you don't ever have any issues with those uh, illnesses or not illnesses, but, you know, viruses. But the fact is, once you are subjected, uh, I hate to say this, these two words because it, it sounds so disgusting, but it's true. But once you are subjected to that, you know, viral load, it will live within your body until your immune system is weakened enough to where it manifests itself. Or maybe you never um, have it, you know, break out within you. But uh, the bottom line is, Bruce, it's all out there and we need to ensure that we're the healthiest we can be and uh, avoid those things or at least, you know, have the proper immunizations or at least a, a you know, proper health plan to understand how to avoid 
contracting those things and, and also, too, just as important, spreading those things. Right. And while we're on the side before we go on to news stories, one of the things that I want to explain to people are on the subject, the germiest place in your house, right? The germiest place. All of us think it's probably the bathroom, the t- toilet, right? Okay. It's more than that. It's I'd, I'd the, micro- the kitchen. It's the- yeah, it's the kitchen. It's the microwave. It's the microwave handles. Yeah. Have you bleached your kitchen sink? Right. There is more fecal matter, they say, in a kitchen sink than in a bathroom toilet. Oh, there's there's crap everywhere. I mean, honestly, yeah. I hate to say that. And uh, I remember the first time I was aware of this was, uh, you remember that show Mythbusters? I think it's still on, but it's like different cast. Yeah, um, it's been on. But um, they, they did like the, the Petri dish swabs of everyone's, uh, toothbrush and they like had all these theories like okay well I just will never brush my teeth in the bathroom I'll brush my teeth in my bedroom I'll do it in the kitchen I'll do it in my car like there's crap everywhere and it's on everything and like you say the kitchen like I think the kitchen is a no-brainer for a lot of that stuff to be because I mean I do it all the time like I will come into the house after grocery shopping and start you know setting the the bags on the countertops and um, you know, the food on the countertops and it's, you, you think the counter's clean and whatnot, but it's like, I don't know where those bags were before I brought them home. I don't know, you know, where that gallon of milk sat before I put it on my counter. Was it on the floor of the truck it was transported in? Did they put it on the floor uh, of the back, you know, storage room before they put it out? Like we, we don't really seem to think that, you know, things that are just around us every day, especially outside the home, we don't think they're dirty when the truth is we have no idea where they've been or what is on them. Well, you're right. And dogs are pretty smart because they drink out of the toilet. Why? It's actually cleaner. We've talked about that before. One other thing, too, is remember, and I'm a victim of this, too. I love big, thick bath towels, right? So when I use big, thick bath towels, you know, depending on the showering, once a day, twice a day, whatever, or, you know, sometimes it'll be there for a couple of days in the, in, the, uh, in the shower, you know, possibly even three because they drop. They feel good, but I change that. I use them only a certain amount of time because there is more E. coli growing on your bath towels, you know, within just three or four days in that towel because it's wet and it's moist. It's hard to get rid of the bacteria. When you put your face in that wash towel, you're actually sticking your head in a toilet that you just right. flushed. Yeah. So it's a matter of keeping those towels fresh and clean. I mean, there's sounds like a lot of work, guys, but you know, when you think about it, we can make ourselves sick even though we love being with ourselves. 100%. You know what I mean, think about this yeah. too. Like we, we talk about being clean and you know, there, there's, there's viruses and stuff everywhere. Think about this. Like there's staph infection right now in your nose. It's always yeah. in your nose. It will always yeah. be in your nose. So when you, you know, wipe your, your, your body down, maybe you wipe your nose on that, uh, towel and whatnot. Um, if it sits there, it's just going to grow and grow and grow more bacteria and and become, uh, you know, more and more discuss- disgusting. I'm not saying that you need to only use the bath towel once and move on with your life. Odds are, if you are doing it, you've probably been doing it for a long time. You're no worse for the wear. But uh, let's not just you know pretend that uh, a bath towel after one or two uses is not pretty disgusting. It kind of is. Exactly. So with all that being said, I think we've given everybody a lot of fuel for thought. Let's move on to some news and what's going on from the week that was. Okay. Saturday night, sports-wise, I attended the Logan Paul KSI boxing match put on by Matchroom Boxing and the Zone Network here at Staples Center. A night of boxing, championship boxing they had. The last event was a six-round, six, three-minute, two-minute, three-minute round fight, formal boxing rules between Logan Paul, the social 
social media influencer in KSI, each with over 20 million uh, followers, well over 20 million followers each. And a lot of people were there. I'm sitting behind Wiz Khalifa. I'm sitting behind Justin Bieber. It's celebrity loaded. There were more young eyeballs at Staples Center, which filled up, TJ, than I've ever seen at any boxing match, which means mission was accomplished. Eddie Hearn, the owner of Matchroom Boxing, and the DAZN Network put this on. It was a rematch between two guys that fought an amateur match that came out to fight a professional boxing match under professional boxing rules. As I can say the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather flight delivered when you had Conor McGregor, who was not a professional boxer, stepping in the ring against one of the greatest boxers of all time. Sure, levels ahead of either KSI or Logan Paul in their fighting professional fighting abilities, whether it be MMA or boxing. But a very similar situation here that brought young eyeballs into the sport, whether they will stay looking at the sport when the next boxing match comes or maybe it won't happen until another social influencer boxing match comes but TJ being there that night walking around realizing how much the UFC uh, excuse me that the social media fans are called influencers or fans of the influencers are also big fans of the UFC because I pretty much you know got stopped pleasurably everywhere I walked they were they're all into the many of them a lot of them are in the UFC and a lot of them are not but when a social influencer walked in, and quite frankly, I would not recognize, I had to ask who they were, this crowd went ballistic. It's a whole new world out there, TJ. Yeah. You got 10 million followers on, on Instagram. You are a celebrity amongst these people, well, I mean, whether I recognize you or not. Bruce, you know? you're, you're not a celebrity amongst those people. You're a celebrity, period. I mean, 10 yeah, million yeah, followers exactly. is, is, a, is a really big deal. And, um, I mean, throughout generations, there's always been a section of the you know popularity you know world if you will that a lot of people don't know but that doesn't mean they're not popular it doesn't mean that they're not real celebrities we just seem to have this disconnect um you know today and i'm i'm part of it too i don't i don't understand everything uh, my kid like loves youtube and watching video games on youtube and there are people that he would absolutely freak out over that is a non-traditional celebrity and he would also have no idea who you know some of the biggest celebrities are um, it, it's what we surround ourselves in, but you, you kind of talked about like what, what was happening and, and, you know, mission accomplished. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that you're wrong here, Bruce, but I don't think that there's any sort of mission at this point anymore, um, in combat sports with things like this, other than putting on a show, a show that people are interested in watching and getting money and doing business. Does it yeah. make, does it make boxing any better? I don't think so. Does it make boxing any worse? I also don't think so. Will some fans stick around? Sure. Will other fans be driven away by it? Sure. But the bottom line is combat sports since its infancy has always been a combination of sport and spectacle. And some nights you go to the fights, it's going to be about the best fighters in the world fighting one another for the top spot and top prize money that is available to them. And then other times it's going to be, you know, sit back and, and enjoy the show because it, it doesn't really mean uh, what it normally means on fight night. And I don't think either of those things uh, are really wrong. I agree with everything you said, and there remains to be seen if this is going to have any lasting effect. My immediate take on it is that it was a momentary effect for a night of pure entertainment for the people that came. It was a money grab, which I'm not saying in a negative way. I think it's a very hey. positive thing. It was a yeah. decision to make a lot of money, and it delivered. I also know that, according to Henry, my godson, who was with me that night, and Rupert, they had a great time. I went there taking my boys right. and Kristen, 
and their friends to watch it through their eyes and have their first experience at a boxing match that they were very interested in. How they great had is that? a yeah. they had a blast and Henry told me that pirated streams YouTube pirated the media report was 3 million on YouTube 1 million on Twitch that's 4 million pirated views which that generation and social media people into social media they know better than you or I how to find a pirated stream I'm sure yeah so I mean they, th that's modern society real quick uh, one thing that you said and I I, I don't want to argue with you because I, I don't think you necessarily meant this in, in, a, in a bad way um, but like the idea of a quote-unquote money grab um, yeah like Sure, it made a lot of money. Yeah, it wasn't the same sort of traditional sense to uh, make money. It, it was quick money in a roundabout way. But at the same time, like, what what is a promoter supposed to do? Well, they're supposed to put on fights and, and try to make money and make the most amount of money possible. Now, if this was the uh, rule, if we weren't talking about the best fighters in the world getting belts put around them and they had to move out of the way because the best fighters in the world, all of a sudden, at least the ones that are recognized are going to be YouTube celebrities and stars. Then, then yeah, get upset. But I, I still feel like this was an opportunity to make money and that they did that. I, I don't think there are such things as money grabs per se. If there were money grabs, then, uh, I mean, you would just grab the money every single time. You know what I mean? Like restruct. Well, they they do as best they can, but restruct right. reset properly. And I'm with you on that. Let's just say there was a great opportunity exactly. to make, make exactly money. right. And uh, and, and, and they by the way they did with over a million. I was again told this will be documented later in the UK where they bought the pay per view. Uh, however, they bought it. Supposedly, it was over a million buys again. Okay. So yeah, let's, I mean, let's just add, I, add it all up. It's a lot of eyeballs. I, I Whether it lasts or goes anywhere, it's a lot of eyeballs. It, it's very weird to try to understand what those numbers mean. Um, you know, it's, get, it's getting weirder the way everything's going well, behind yeah, paywalls. Like, yeah, right. I mean, I don't even know, and, and it's not my place really to know. Um, it, it is maybe in the sense that I follow mixed martial arts for a living, but um, I have no idea how fighters in the UFC get pay-per-view points at this point. Like, we, we don't really know what the ESPN plus deal means for certain athletes. And at the same time too, like I don't, I don't know if it necessarily matters or even if the numbers that we hear are all that uh, accurate, it's not what it once was. It's not, you know, if you're you know tied in with the, the cable companies, you can have a pretty good idea of what uh, a pay-per-view buy rate is and whatnot. And uh, I don't know, like, I mean, we, we live in a strange time, Bruce, because almost none of this stuff was really a thing, you know, 20, 30 years ago, and now the new model that, you know, blew up overnight, it's all of a sudden antiquated and we're shifting very quickly to a completely different platform. Right. Agreed. Agreed. So I, interesting sit, times. Yeah. Well, sit back and hopefully everyone's making good money because, you know, the ones that are, you know, hustling and doing it, they deserve it. Exactly. Now, the other thing and last I'm going to say on this is that Logan Paul stated afterwards, um, you know, with his wrestling ability, we talked about this before, that he definitely wants to fight in the UFC. Um, Logan, it's not like I don't think you can do that. Obviously, the, the the contenders that are in there, you know, they're gonna they're gonna win on any given day. There's a lot of training to be done, Logan. I can see a very entertaining fight, yeah. like we're discussing at some point if Dana puts that together to bring again a ton of eyeballs. It has been done in a similar way in the past, whether it's CM Punk or on a more grandiose, conditioned, pedigree level of a wrestler in the old days of Brock Lesnar when he first came in. If there's a way to shift and shuffle eyeballs over, even though a lot of the young eyeballs that are Logan Paul fans are already watching UFC, as I said earlier, then if people see that, they see that as an entertaining way, then that's a one-off fight offering entertainment. I do not see any difference from a CM Punk fight fighting 
Nikki Gall to you know at the, that happened one time to if they want to put a Logan Paul on not as the main event of the night it would never be a main event it no, would never be a main event but that's what happened in boxing that well, night they chose to that's well, fine but not in the UFC I mean allow me to explain that a little bit maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong but I was on a, another podcast uh, earlier this week and I said in boxing at 100 percent um, makes sense to have it as the main event because if it's not the main event it's going to be knocked down a peg to the co-main event and all of the promotion around an event like that, it, boxing is is very much, you know, uh, hey, you're going to watch the fight? Oh, who's fighting? It's fighter A versus fighter B. Where in mixed martial arts, it's, hey, you want to come over and watch the UFC? Oh, sure. Who's fighting? You you hear the words UFC first. And I'm not, you know, disparaging the promoter, but, like, I don't know anybody that says, oh, man, I'm a matchroom boxing fan. Or, oh, man, I'm a top-ranked guy. That's not how mixed martial arts works. You know, boxing no. doesn't our our boxing doesn't work that way. Mixed martial arts, there's there's a little more promotion first and then fighter second. And you know, a lot of a lot of purists will say, well, that's not necessarily a good thing. The promotion's ahead of the fighters. But in this case, that's exactly why, you know, some of the same people that are going to be offended that a less than experienced fighter like Logan Paul would be in the main event. That's exactly what's keeping him out of the main event. The UFC doesn't need to have Logan Paul be the focal point of a card to sell it the way that they normally would sell any other card. Would it be the co-main event? Yeah, maybe, but I promise you it's it's not going to be over any sort of title fight or any top, you know, five uh, fighter, you know, no. facing off against another top uh, fighter. I agree. It's all about branding with respect to the statement you just made. UFC being the tissue to the Kleenex or that, you know, it's not tissue, it's Kleenex to many it's not a copy or it's a xerox to many it's not mixed martial arts right. it's the ufc to many and that's just the strength of the brand we'll see how it all pans out you know it's interesting and like i said earlier before in a past show this is very similar to the days of celebrity boxing on fox which michael buffer was involved with i was involved with the very first two shows the first show banged a 15 plus share out of the park that's over 15 million people watching which is huge huge some of the biggest shows on tv are lucky to get an 18 most get between a, a good shows a five right. and an eight well, we're talking a 15 share and that's because it was the same theory of thought yeah. i can see it being done in different ways even a celebrity mma show once or twice yeah. a year but who knows we'll yeah. see what happens we'll I, see what happens. i think we're a ways from celebrity mma it probably will happen at, at some point um but well all of that said bruce like i, I feel one of the biggest knocks against promoters, whether it be in boxing or whether it be in mixed martial arts or even pro wrestling to a certain extent, um, fans will criticize a promoter for not being able to build a star and, you know, get people to care about certain personalities. And sometimes that's even to, you know, spite their own talent, you know, like, yeah. uh, unfortunately, Demetrius Johnson, he, he was one of the greatest, I mean, still is one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time, pound for pound to this date, but he didn't resonate with fans. And, you know, unfortunately... Uh, you know, I mean, good for him to go, you know, over to, to Asia. But unfortunately, uh, it made sense for the UFC to essentially uh, part ways. But with all of that said, like someone like Logan Paul, if he wants to compete in mixed martial arts, I I've heard some people say, well, the UFC absolutely shouldn't sign him. So, OK, so you, you think that as a business, you see an opportunity that could make you money. Um, but because that person hasn't paid their dues, you shouldn't be afforded the opportunity to go make money with them. Like that's ludicrous. Like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you want to put your company in the best position uh, to succeed. And that's all the, yes. And, and if the UFC didn't do it, Bellator will, and they should, because that's, that's uh you know, good business. But as you said, uh, for a lot of people, and 
I think even to Logan Paul, uh, if you're going to have a, a mixed martial arts fight, you want to be a UFC fighter, and uh, that's clearly where he wants to go, and I would be shocked if he's not there within the next 12 to 18 months. And we will find out, and if you're not happy with the decision, then you can just root for Logan Paul to get beat, as most people do in those situations. So it's all about yes or no. Either way, you're going to watch the show. Guaranteed. Maybe he's awesome. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, he, he, he was an all-state wrestler, Bruce. Like, in, in a state, I mean, to be a, a state-ranked wrestler in the state of Ohio, you know, the That's place tough. that Mark Coleman came from, Mark Kerr, you know, really great Stipe Miocic. Right. I mean, I mean come on. Yeah, it's yeah, but, crazy. But, but, crazy. But, but, was Stipe a wrestler in high school? I don't know. Maybe he was. Um, but my, my point is this. Like, you're you're not – he's not a state-ranked wrestler in Rhode Island. You know what I right. mean? Like, right. and, and no no offense, Rhode Island wrestlers. You know, I hope you listen to the show. But uh, <laughs> the, the, he has real credentials, and, um, you know, we'll, we'll find out if he can sort of craft them into something. We will find out. So let's see. I mean, nothing more exciting than the impending event, as I always say. So anyway, big night for a lot of people on Saturday night. Went with my boys. They had a great time. Kristen had a great time. We all had a great time. Saw my brother, Michael. Fun night out. There we oh, go. Now man, on another can, note. Can I, can I ask you, though, about another fun night earlier in the week that we didn't get to recap because it hadn't happened last, uh, last episode? Yeah, go ahead. I mean, I've been watching your Facebook like crazy lately because uh, it seems like you're having a great time, but... You know, obviously Saturday night was uh, the big showdown at the Staples Center, but earlier in the week it was the the Bruce Buffer comedy show. It was the It's Time Comedy Night. It was our my very first show, uh, very first time taking the stage. You look as great, a comic host. You look great up oh, there. Oh, thank you. I mean, thank I wasn't you. there in person. I saw the photos, and uh, you, you're a natural. I don't know, you know, exactly how it went, uh, and and I love to hear about how you thought it went up there. You know, kind of controlling the room like that. I mean, a room. Like that is a lot different than you know, uh, eighteen thousand people in an NBA yeah. arena. But I, I, I kind of feel like maybe there was a bit more pressure in a room of maybe thirty, forty, fifty, a hundred, two hundred. How how many ever people were there? It's a lot more intimate of a setting. Well, the room seat uh, seats maybe two hundred or so, and there was about one hundred and fifty people there. And it was the later show, a show they never usually have. And they were the Lab Factory was ecstatic. They loved the show. They loved how it went. I personally was ecstatic. I loved the show. Oh, I loved how it went. Kristen kept asking me, are you nervous going up? Because this was a out-of-my-wheelhouse thing I hadn't done before or beyond just going up to introduce some very fine comics like Tony Hinchcliffe and Russell Peters and others in the past. Um, I took the stage. I had a, a five-minute bit I did. I got laughs. Everybody was happy. They all thought I did a good job. And the good, line, the good thing for me is that in that realm of not being a comedian but being a comic host, right. as I call myself at that point, I pulled the number off. I was very happy. Right. I got the laughs. The bit worked. And now I'm in a comfort zone that the next time I go up, it's going to be even better because I'm even more comfortable when I've broken the ice. I've, you know, I've, I've gotten through the first show. You know what I think we need the to do? I'm, gonna, I'm thinking out loud here, and maybe we could have a meeting off the air. But uh, you know, I know that you are a big fan of comedy. I know Tony Hinchcliffe is a big fan of comedy as he's a comedian. Um, I do a podcast with... Uh, former UFC fighter Ian McCall, uh, Uncle Creepy, who is now uh, a, a budding up-and-coming uh, comedian. It is time to put all three of those podcasts together for a podcast night live on stage at one of these comedy clubs because that's really one of the newer things. These uh, podcasts are touring the country and uh, you know doing live uh, on-stage performances, you know, 30, 45-minute shows 
uh, a piece. I think that would be a, a fantastic uh, evening if we were able to put something like that together. Yeah, when we have the next one, I'm definitely working out. I'm sure the Lap Factory will work with me on that. There's places it can be. So, yeah, that's an idea, most definitely an idea. And eventually, uh, as I develop this and everything, you know, take it on the road, have it a night before UFC for everybody to come in and check it out. But getting back to the comedy night that we had last week, it was extremely funny. Tony Hinchcliffe was there, just killed it. Killed it. Uh, comedian Kate Quigley killed it. Eddie Bravo came on and did his thing. Hilarious, you know, being the Eddie Bravo we all know and love and getting out there and developing his comedy act. We had um, Adam Hunter, the MMA comedian. I got to tell you something. Adam Hunter, my first time seeing him, had me on the floor. Just hilarious. Um, Russell Peters going to make it, but he had another thing. In came my partner in the venture, Sam Tripoli, very popular comedian, plays the comedy store every week. All in all, very cool, and I'll tell you it was super cool walking up to the Laugh Factory and seeing my face and my name all big, huge on the marquee, which was like a bucket list. I felt like I was in the movie A Stars Born on a much lower level walking up and for the first time seeing your name on the marquee. It was, not that I was a star that was born. I did not mean that. Buffer, it's Buffer, just, stop what? apologizing. This is a big moment for yourself. Enjoy. It was don't, a big moment. Don't, don't, it don't was qualify. A big moment. Oh, not that I'm a star. Buffer, <laughs> your name and face is on the marquee. Don't apologize. So well, you know in. a lot. I am so again. I'm appreciating because a lot of comedians work years just to get a five minute bit on the stage. I put something together, you know, and hey. luckily working with the right people. And I got on the stage the very first show you're the with Logan, the, the It's you're Time the, Comedy. And I love it. I love it. You're love the it. Logan Paul of comedy. You don't necessarily <laughs> don't deserve that. there, but you got it. Uh, no, I'm kidding, Buff. No, awesome I don't stuff. Know about that. I mean, it's it's a testament to your brand. It's a testament to your marketability. And uh, more more than anything, it's a testament to who you are as a person, uh, to foster the proper relationships, uh, say the right things, do the right things, conduct yourself as a professional, whether it be in the octagon, on the comedy stage, or on this podcast. And uh, well-deserved. You do a great job. And uh, let's keep pushing it forward. Thanks. I appreciate it very much. Um, let's move forward. We'll cover some stories in the news, and I'll let everybody know when the next comedy show is. It's been a very, very busy and productive week. I'll be heading out to Sao Paulo, Brazil on Thursday. Uh, Sao Paulo, Brazil, we've got the, the big show there with uh, Jacare Sosa and Jan Blakovich going at it, Mauricio Hua, Paul Craig going at it, Charles Oliveira, Jared Gordon. Uh, it's going to be a fun night in Sao Paulo. I will be back from that on Monday, and I go back to Sao Paulo in three weeks or two and a half weeks to play poker with poker stars. So I'm doing a lot of Brazil this month. But we're going to be at the Genacio de Ibirapuera in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We look forward to seeing you. I will be there on Saturday. Looking forward to that night of fight. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, now, TJ, Dean Foods, the America's largest milk producer. This is a sign of the times. But is it a sign of times being healthy times? This 94-year-old company, they've struggled in recent years. Why? Because Americans are drinking less cow's milk, you know, between the, the almond milk and the pea milk and all the different strands of milk that are out there and lactose intolerance. Wait, and every wait, other wait, thing wait. Did, you, did you just say pea milk? Yes, I buy milk uh, that is made from peas, P-E-A, oh, not P-E-E. Oh, got it. I was like, okay, we need, to get Sam. we need to get Sam on the show because I'm yeah. lost. It's a great source of protein. It's one of my favorite tasting milk. So it tastes great on, you know, your cereal, whatever your choice of, of uh, morning breakfast or afternoon or evening is but this is a sign of the times they're a 94 year old company it was one of the most the biggest producer of milk in the country they've now filed for bankruptcy 
So their stock has lost 80% of its value this year. It looks like they're on their way out. I'm sorry to see that. I don't wish lack of success on anybody. Um, but again, sign of the times. People are taking in healthier. I mean, okay, so I, the, the, I do not drink regular milk anymore, TJ. That's just my choice. Yeah, I mean, do, does the story actually go to say that it's because of uh, uh, less of a demand on dairy? Yeah, it just says that Americans are drinking less cow's milk. Wow. With 2019 being particularly brutal, the sales tumbled 7% in the first half of the year, which makes profits fall 14%. Their stock went down 80%. If that doesn't tell you something, they're having a rough, rough, right. rough time. I mean, rough I time. I, I think I might be the leader in this country of um, the amount of milk that I buy. It's a lot, but it's also... Uh, about the same amount that I throw out. For whatever reason, we just buy milk because it, it's like one of those things. Like, okay, I'm at the grocery store. I need milk. I need eggs. I need blah, 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 blah. And, like, I get home, and every time I go grab uh, a gallon of milk for something, like if I have cereal, I very rarely eat it, Bruce. I'm like, oh, this expired three weeks ago. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. I poured it out. It comes out in chunks. Oh. I'm like, oh. Oh, God. Oh, no. And you know what happens? What? See, I make a special breakfast, right? I put in fresh blueberries, fresh pineapple, this favorite protein powder, vegan protein powder I use. I'll put in a sliced banana, honey. I'll put it all together with this delicious, healthy blueberry, uh, um, healthy uh, call it granola, whatever that I eat with it. Uh, Gluten-free. It's just the way I eat in the morning. It's a big power breakfast. And I remember one time I went to the, the refrigerator and I pulled out the milk. This is a while ago. And man, after I put all this in the bowl, it was like last serving of everything almost. And the, the thick curd hit. Oh, no. And I had yeah. to throw everything away. Have you ever done that? I hate that. Oh, oh no. man. I hate well, it's that the worst oh. because like the milk is the last thing, right? It's, a, it's yeah, the, last the very last thing. Right. Exactly. So you're like, yeah, it's like I've come too far to not want to eat this and now I can't. Crazy stuff. All right. Let me go into a couple of stories here. They're not the most uh, pleasurable pleasurable stories to listen to, but as a father and me helping raise two kids and anybody that has children, much less even if you don't have children, you're going to feel for this. It's like something out of a movie that is so tragic. TJ, a two-year-old child's being walked in her um, stroller, okay? An air conditioning unit fell from the eighth floor window above and landed on the kid's stroller and, and I'm sorry to say, killed the child as they're walking. Yeah. I mean, how, um, how rare can... I mean, does how does does that even happen? I mean, geez, like there are statistics out there for um, you know cause of death for so many different categories, and I can't even imagine what uh, something like that is. It's, it's got to be you know one in a million, literally. Like I, I I've never heard of of that uh, exact uh, scenario playing out, and uh, I mean I don't know you know hug your loved ones as much as you can because uh, well you're here today. We always say tomorrow's never guaranteed, and um, yeah, terrible stuff. Now, listen to this one. We talk about shark attacks and things happening, uh, you know, from time to time when they occur. A 44-year-old Scottish man was snorkeling off an island that was notorious. It's an island east of Madagascar. It's notorious for shark attacks, okay? I always wonder why people dive in these waters when they know it's notorious. He disappeared. They went on the search, and his disappearance prompted prompted like search crews to begin capturing and slicing open several tiger sharks they found, wondering if the man was inside the tiger shark. One of the sharks they sliced open, they found a hand. On the hand was a wedding ring. She was able to identify her husband when she saw the wedding ring. Oh my God. I mean, seriously, can you picture that? No. I, I mean, uh, do, you, do you remember that um, documentary 
Grizzly Man. Oh, I've heard of it. Didn't it, see it. It was basically like a, a guy who loved bears. He was out um, in, I think, Alaska and was getting, like, dangerously close to these bears. And these bears just got very used to him. And sometimes they would even have, like, uh, interactions that were cordial, like they could touch, like he could touch the bear. And, I mean, it wasn't smart. Um, but basically people were like, you can't do that. Like, eventually the bear is just going to have enough of you and, and kill you. And, uh, unfortunately... Um, for this man, it was a, it was a time I think that there wasn't a lot of food available and the bears did what they needed to do. And, uh, they went out and, and harvested the bear, uh, you know, conservation, uh, enforcement. And, uh, they cut open the bear's stomach and there was the man's leg in this bear's stomach with the shoe yeah. and sock still on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely hard to, uh, think about things like that and then to identify a loved one because of the wedding ring it's like my god can there be something more traumatic yeah exactly no it's crazy here's another story it's a little nuts i got these these crazy stories i just couldn't help but pick or pick a few of them a, a cat right a two-headed cat has been born okay has two mouths right and Does it have most two of brains food, it no it's a single Single-headed cat, okay, and if I'm not mistaken, has the single brain. But it has two mouths. Each mouth tries to eat the food it's going after independently of each other. What? Therefore, yeah, therefore the food, it has two mouths, two noses, and four eyes, okay? One head, get this, one head, two mouths, two noses, and four eyes. How many Each, stomachs? I don't, again, it doesn't say wow. each face fights to eat. So most of the food, I'm not laughing at this, although I sound like I am. I'm not each food, each, most of the food that eats ends up in the middle eye or on her forehead. As a result, her forehead is now bald. Obviously nobody wants to, or has not wanted to adopt. It's been in care. Um, there's other issues, you know, possibly seizure issues with walking. She might need surgery on her middle eyes. The nice thing is instead of putting this cat down, or using making a study, it's being adopted by a veterinarian named Dr. Ralph Tran. Is going to take care of it, hopefully, you know, nurse it to full health and raise it as a two-headed cat. I mean, it's very strange um, because I think a lot of it is misconception. Because yes, it has two faces, you know, four eyes, two uh, noses, two mouths, and it seems like the uh, mouths are are competing with one another. But I have a feeling because like. As you said, it it has one brain. Um, the probably the the peripheral vision of this cat in you know each set of eyes can't really tell where the food is at or even how to go about eating it. So it it, it is kind of like fighting with itself because if if there's only yeah, one exactly. brain, like yeah, exactly. It, it, exactly. it's terrible. Um, you know to to think about a cat in this sort of situation, but. Uh, it's a heartwarming story in a roundabout way because obviously someone is stepping up to the plate to help take yeah. care of this animal. Well, they call them Janus cats is what I'm gathering here, and most of them don't live beyond a few days. Uh, this cat's condition is not necessarily fatal. One famous Janus cat named Frank and Louie actually lived to be 15 years old. So the doctor has uh, their hands, you know, filled for them, and we'll see how they do. Kudos to them, and, you know, I hope that this cat goes on and lives a healthy life. It'd be very cool being the animal lover. Of course I am. TJ, you know, the world of today is... Uh, soap operas and everything else. And I wonder in the world in which we live with the changing media and everything we discussed earlier on the show, but one of the most popular, I can't really go beyond just the headline of the story, but one of the more popular soap operas out there, Days of Our Lives, 
they've released the entire cast. They're putting them all out. Not saying the show is going to be canceled, but they've released the entire cast after 50 years on the air, which many of these people have been on forever. I, I, so I, I guess I'm kind of surprised that that hasn't been done before. Like, yeah, I would it, think so. Yeah. Well, if you think about like superhero films and even franchises, like it'll you know run its cycle and then they do a reboot, which is why we've had so many different Batman's and uh, Spider-Man's, etc. Uh, it would make sense that daytime television at some point you would need to hit the reset button to keep it fresh because, uh, you know, how long can you continue an ongoing story with uh, a character that never leaves? You know, at some point it's, oh, it was a tragic end to their story or, oh, they live happily ever after. Sometimes it's got to be easier just to, you know, go, ah, we're starting over. Yeah, well, I guess probably that's what came down. But, uh, you know, it's going to be tough. You're in a soap opera for years. You become labeled you know that's your that's right, your role yeah, sometimes you're original an actor prevent um, them from getting other work we'll see i wish them all the best the, the, no problem I, the biggest crossover star i think in that maybe you can help me out probably like mainstream success would be kelly ripa uh you would know better than me tj i'm not really a soap opera guy I really i'm not i'm say. not either you're just a celebrity guy you say you ever seen this you ever do that yeah <laughs> you know i don't know i've never really seen any soap operas but i know that kelly ripa who is now on uh, you know the michael and kelly show uh, live with Michael and Kelly, I think it is. Or is it Ryan and Kelly at this point? I don't know. See, like I don't even know. How do I know about Kelly Ripa and her past and you don't, Buff? This is crazy. Uh, listen, I'm happy to hear that you know something I don't know. Well, I know, in the realm I, I know of a lot of things. You know that you a lot that I do, but I mean in the, re in the realm of film and TV. Hey, Let's for for the record, Buff, you know a lot of things that I don't know either. So Cool. Well, that's that's what makes for a good relationship because strengths and weaknesses. It always works out that way. LeBron James, St. Vincent High School jersey, uh, sells at auction his high school jersey for $187,500. That's not too surprising when you think about what things go for. Another watch, Patek Philippe, uh, sold for a record, again, highest price ever paid, $31 million for a Daytona style, you know, the chronograph style, excuse me, Patek, Patek Philippe. Um, for them, whoever bought it, uh, they always get a lot of money. And TJ, there's a restaurant in Japan. You've heard of the Wagyu beef, right? You know, from Japan, Wagyu, yeah, if I'm saying course. that correct. Yeah, Wagyu, yeah. Wagyu. I, I, I don't know how to say it exactly, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. It's hard, but there, there's a, uh, a Tokyo restaurant. It's called, again, if I'm saying it wrong, folks, I apologize. Wagyu Mafia, it's a restaurant brand. They serve the world's finest cuts of Kobe beef. I may have to stop here next time I'm in Tokyo. Check it out. But Chateaubriand Steak Sandwich. TJ, how much for the sandwich? Um, I will say $175. I'm going to give you the 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 go-ahead on that. $185. Chateaubriand steak sandwich. He's holding it in his hand. I would finish this thing in six bites. Wow. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's amazing, too. Look at that. That's crazy. Right, that's crazy. what we're going to go do. Podcast on the road number one with Bruce Buffett. That's good. Well, I'm definitely going to go check this out. I have, I, I, I'm going to have to try it. $185 steak sandwich. I've got to. I've got to. Probably be very delicious during hey, the I mean, minimal amount of time it takes to go down. I, I know I know a lot of people are going to say, like, that's egregious, but that's one of those when in Rome situations, right? Like, that sounds yeah. amazing. I bet it is amazing. It's probably not worth that much money, but uh, it's not something you're going to do every day. Hey, you know what? Why did I climb the mountain? Because it was there. Right. So I mean, why did yeah. I go to the restaurant? Because it was there. All right, everybody. TJ, anything to tell our audience before we go? Uh, no, nothing. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know. I, I just enjoyed doing the show with you, Bruce. Uh, you, uh, cease to, uh, surprise me. You're always doing big things, exciting things. And, uh, it's been quite the last week. 
uh, I think, for yourself with uh, the comedy show, hopefully the first of many. And uh, I'm serious. We need to get the podcast out there. We need to do a live podcast. Uh, I think it'd be great. Tony Hinchcliffe would be uh, great doing that. Ian McCall, great. Let's let's do it. Let's figure it out. I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I will plan it that way. I'm looking forward to the next show being either around before Christmas or, at worst case scenario, in January. I want to plan it right. I've got a lot of stuff coming up here and of course the holiday season's coming up all right everybody i will see you from the octagon from sao paulo brazil on saturday looking forward to the show looking forward to going to my beloved brazil again always uh, wonderful to be at i've not been there for a while and i can't wait to get back so i'll see you there tj you have a great week i'll see you next week we'll be back with another great guest on it's time radio excellent informative show today very interesting and we'll make it even more so next week all right everybody treat everybody around you with respect treat people the way you want to be treated be a role model to your fear of influence, set your goals, write them down, learn about them before you set on that path. And when you do sit on that path, just do the best job you can be the best you can be, because whether you're the best in the industry you're in or the, or the venture you're undertaking, the bottom line is if you do the best and be the best you can be, then you are winning. And that's what we're all about in this time radio. So it's time to win folks. We'll be back next week. Go out there and make it happen. Buffer out. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal, a safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller, I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. poodle pamperer, <laughs> piano tuner, or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal. Introducing touch-free payments from PayPal. A safe way for your customers to pay. Whether you're a market seller. I'll take two tomatoes and a cucumber. Poodle pamperer. (laughs) Piano tuner. Or plumber. Signing up to accept touch-free payments for your business is easy. Simply download the PayPal app and display your own unique QR code for your customers to scan. Touch-free QR code payments. No seller fees until 2021. Not applicable to PayPal here transactions. Other fees may apply. Shop safe with PayPal.